If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 71. Psalm 71. Tonight we're going to camp out there for a little while. If you don't have your Bibles, that's fine. I will read the passage loudly for you. But anyways, as I was thinking about what we were going to talk about tonight, there was something I was just really pressing on my mind, and so I just figured I want to share it to you. So it's, this is more of a devotional, I guess you could say, type lesson more than anything else, and sort of just testimonial. But if you're anything like me, then you like Lord of the Rings. How many of you have read the books, Lord of the Rings? One. Really good. Awesome. How many of you have watched Lord of the Rings? That's really Probably good. more. Uh, I really enjoy the books. In fact, I probably need to reread them. It's been a long time since I've read through the whole trilogy, but uh, fantastic books. Awesome, awesome pieces of literature, and I highly recommend that you read them. But anyways, um, as much as I would like to, you know, if you read, if you're familiar with the books or familiar with the movies, as much as I personally would like to identify with, you know, one, any of the characters, like say, for instance, Aragorn, the awesome king of... of um, What's the kingdom called? I just left my head. The sealed door? No. His father's name is Yeah. Some kingdom, I forget. Gondor, thank you. The king of Gondor. Yes, Avery. <laughs> Slightly, yes. <laughs> um, anyways. As much as I would like to... <laughs> as much as I would like to identify with, let's say, Aragorn or, let's say, Legolas or, you know, Gimli, those guys, they're strong and courageous. They, they show themselves worthy in battle. They kill thousands of enemies throughout the course of the book. But often enough, I have to be honest with myself. I would say I have to identify with Frodo. And most of us do. Most of us, if you're reading through the books, you'll identify with Frodo because he's the most honest, he's the most uh, transparent with what's going on inside of him. And usually we can appeal, we are, we, that appeals to us. And so most of the time as, you're reading, as I'm reading through this book, that's who I'm identifying with. I'm identifying with Frodo Baggins as he takes this ring to Mount Doom and he tries to destroy evil and all that good stuff. But sometimes, or I should say, and especially I feel most like Frodo, sometimes, remember the scene in the movie, or if you remember the scene from the books especially, where they are in the heart of Mount Doom, and they're on the, what they call the crack of Doom, and Frodo is hanging right there, he's hanging on, like Gollum has just gone off, and it looks like the ring is going to survive, because it's on that little piece of lava or whatever, and Frodo is debating whether or not to just... Let go. And then and all, he's been through so much. He has really journeyed and battled this, this struggle, this war with the ring all the way up to this point, And he is weary and exhausted. He doesn't have any energy left. And remember, if you watched the movie, Sam had to carry him in and he carried him in there and stuff. He didn't have any energy left. So now he is hanging on and it looks like he's just going to give up and just end it all. And sometimes... Sometimes I feel the same way. Not, uh, not to the point of wanting to just end it all in, in my life, but sometimes I feel like this life is just too much. And I'm just hanging on by my fingernails, literally. I'm just hanging on by a thread. And there's just all this stuff going on. You know, I've said before when we've talked about like suffering and stuff, and we've talked about trials and adversity, that life is chaotic, Life is full of mess and, and mayhem. And sometimes I have to tell you, I have to be honest, and I have to say that 
Sometimes I would should say more often than not, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Sometimes I am just as dumbfounded as you are as what happens. <laughs> And, and some people like to pretend that they have all the answers and all this kind of stuff. Sometimes I have no idea what's going on. The stuff that comes into life, the, the adversity, the struggles, the trials, the questions. These things that pop up and you're like, where did this come from? Why am I having to go through this? Whether it be problems with siblings or problems with a significant other or if it's problems with your parents, problems with a job. Problems with school, all sorts of struggles that we go through. And then sometimes it's like, what is going on? We don't know what's going on. And we feel like Frodo Baggins hanging on to the edge of a cliff. And we just feel like, sometimes we just feel like giving up. I, I don't pretend to have all the answers. I, I just, I've told you before that I'm just like you. I'm figuring this life out as, we, as I go. I don't pretend to have all the answers. I don't pretend that I've, I've somehow mastered the Christian life or anything like that. I'm just learning like you are. I'm just taking it each day as a struggle and each day as a battle and a fight for what I know is right. And sometimes, sometimes all the stuff around me makes me feel like the easy way would be better. Hold your finger and if you're there, Psalm 71. I'm going to read a verse over in Matthew chapter 7 real quick. I'll read it really loud so you can hear me. Matthew 7 verse 13 says this. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. See, what Jesus Christ is saying here is that there's two roads in life. There's only two paths. He goes on to describe what he calls the narrow way, which is the road to heaven. It's the road to God's kingdom. And then there's another way, which he describes here, which he describes as the broad way. It's the easy way. It's the easy way out. There's, not, there's, there's trials in the easy way, but they're not as some often as painful as they are in the hard way. As he says, the narrow way that leads to, well, let's read it. Verse 14, excuse me. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. I have to be honest with you. Sometimes, as much as I am in this word and I'm studying, sometimes the stress and the pressure of life is so much that I'm just like Frodo and I feel like just letting go and giving up. Sometimes that's me. Sometimes that's... The, the, the pain and the stuff that we go through, we just feel like giving up. What, especially, uh, we feel like, sometimes we feel like quitting on God. Because we are on that, as he says there, the narrow way. It's the hard way. Uh, make no mistake about it. Remember when I was going, we went through Matthew chapter 10. And we were in, there Jesus gives a rousing speech to rouse up his apostles before they go on ministry. And what does he say to them? You're going to be hated. People are going to hate you. People are going to try and stone you. People are going to throw you out. People are not going to like you. You're going to be persecuted. So go out and do your job. <laughs> that was a really good motivational speech, wasn't it? He, he doesn't try and, and, and sugarcoat it. He says, this gospel is offensive. But it can change. It will change people's lives. And you do it anyways. You be faithful. And sometimes all that stuff 
gets this sort of clouds that end. That, that this narrow, this hard way leads to life. But if you flip back, remember, if you remember the scene in the books, The Return of the King. And there Frodo is, he's hanging on to the edge of that, that cliff. He's above the crack of doom, thinking about just letting go and ending it all. And just, it would just all end. Everything would be over and he would, I guess, go to Hobbit heaven or something. I don't know. And he just thinks about letting go. And what happens Samwise Gamgee rushes in, and what does he say? He says, don't you let go. Don't you dare let go. And I love, I love that scene in the movie. It's, very, it's just really a powerful scene, especially the way it was acted and all that kind of stuff. And no, it did not make me cry, but it almost did. It was amazing. But he says, he rushes down, he shouts, take my hand. Don't you let go. And in the same way, Jesus will break through our, our silence, our struggles, our trials. And he is trying to say to us, don't you let go. In the same way. All throughout the Bible, this is what he's trying to show us. He's trying to tell us, don't let go. Take my hand. Don't you let go. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Remember he says that to Peter when he's walking on the water and, and Peter was looking all around him. See, Peter was fine when he had his eyes on Jesus Christ. He didn't know whether it was a, as a ghost or whether it was Jesus Christ. And he says, if it's really you, Jesus, I will, I'm going to walk on the water with you. I'm going to come out there with you. And he does. And he's fine. He's walking on the water with Jesus right there. He really does that. And all of a sudden he realizes that there was a storm going on that night. And he realizes all the stuff that's around him. All the waves that's crashing. The wind that's blowing. And possibly lightning and rain that's all around him. And what happens? He sinks. And Jesus says this. It is I. Don't be afraid. That's one of the I am statements. Remember. I am that I am. I'm not. I haven't left you. Don't you let go. That's what he's trying to say to us. That's in Mark chapter 6. He's saying, don't let go. Just reach. And by reaching up then, we will find Jesus waiting for us. By reaching up in faith, we will find a hand of grace waiting for us. And let me try and make this more apparent to you that it's not your reach that, that uh, conjures God's extension. It's not you reaching up that somehow makes God reach back down. He's already there waiting for you. So if you can picture it in your mind, Jesus has already done this. That's the cross. Forever, God's hand is reaching down to you. It's just a matter of you if you're going to reach back up and find it. That's all, that's all that it is. So no matter what's going on, you can, you can always count on Jesus' hand being there waiting to help you back up. And he's shouting to you all throughout these pages of the Bible, don't you let go. Don't you dare let go. That's what he's trying to tell you. No matter what's going on, no matter what struggles you're going through, no matter what's going on in your life, don't you let go. He's trying to say to you again that it's not you who are going to somehow pull yourself up. It's not you that, that you're on the edge like Frodo Baggins and you're hanging on by one hand. It's not you that's going to somehow like muster some sort of like Rambo strength and like pull yourself up with one hand. It's not going to happen. 
Same way in this life, spiritual and reality, you're not going to pull yourself up out of this depression, out of this struggle that you're going through, out of this conflict that you're going through, not by yourself. He's going to do it. Jesus is going to do it. And by reaching up in faith, you will find a hand of grace waiting for you. God's promise is the same. It sounds exactly like Samwise Gamgee's. Take my hand. Don't let go. And as from Mark 6, it is I. Don't be afraid. I am here. I am is here. Remember, Jesus always is. <laughs> He's always in the present. He's always with us, whether we see him or not. And it sounds, God's promise really sounds, uh, keep your hand, if, well, I'm, I haven't even read what I really wanted to read in Psalm 71. But um, if you have your Bible, you can flip to Isaiah 43. You probably know what verses I'm going to read, but I'm going to read them again. Because this is really God's promise to us that he's not going to let go. And he's telling to us, don't you let go. And he says this, Isaiah 43, this is God's promise to you. No matter what you're going through, this is his promise he says, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, and this is where he starts, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they will, shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord, thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. That's his promise to you. No matter what's going on, the fire, the flood, whatever is going on, the torrent of life, the struggle you're going through. You're, you're struggling with pornography. You're struggling with peer pressure. You're struggling with, with, with friends that are trying to lead you down the wrong road that are trying to maybe get you to start up smoking or start up any other drugs. You're, you're, you're surrounded by pressure. There's people that are telling you that this is how you're going to be approved. This is how you're going to be accepted. This is how you're going to make it in life if you just be cool and do this stuff. And you're surrounded by that. And hopefully you know that by reading the Bible that this is not going to last. But this, this pressure is there. And it's so much that you feel like Frodo Baggins and you just feel like giving up because this is the easy way out. That's real. <laughs> Trust me. I was right there. And for a while, I let go myself. So I know, I know what this feels like. That you want to try and fit in, and so you're going to do these things to, to pander to people, to friends. Because you don't want to break those friendships. You don't want to seem weird. You don't want to seem too like that weirdo Christian person who loves Jesus. The point is, is don't let Go. No matter what kind of peer pressure you're facing, it's probably really hard. It's probably tough. I think about what I had to go through when I was in high school, and I didn't have to deal with Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Because it wasn't, it had never really bursted onto the scene. But now, I'm not saying that there's different pressures for you, it's just much more aggravated. Because you could find all this stuff um, if you had to go seek for it and you had to seek it out. Now you can pick it up in like a second on your phone. You can fall right on your phone. Why is you're scrolling through your Twitter timeline? It's so easy. 
The pressure is always there. All the time, we're feeling that pressure. And all the time, we need. that's why I keep saying over and over again, like Martin Luther, when he said that, you need to keep preaching the gospel over to yourself, over and over again. What did Jesus do for me? He took away my sins and he secured my righteousness, over and over again, the gospel. Every day, all day, every single minute. Because if you keep remembering what Jesus did for you, those pressures are not going to seem as appealing. They're not going to seem as, as much as you, they're not going to have the same allure and enticement. <laughs> but if you're not, if you're not actively in this pursuit of God, you're going to hang on to the edge and you will be more than tempted to let go. More than tempted to just take, as Jesus says, the road to the broad gate. The road that leads to destruction. But he's saying over and over again, don't let go. God wants you to see that not only has he not let you go, he's just never left your side. That's, that's the message of the Bible. And no matter how far we stray, God's not going to leave us. Yes, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna try you for your sin. He's going to make you feel the weight of the guilt and the shame and the sin that you've brought on upon yourself. But he's not going to let you go. That's his promise. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's a promise. God always keeps his promises. God wants you to see that he's never left you. Our comfort in all of this commotion, all this calamity, all this struggle, all this trial, all this stress is this. God's unrelenting, unremitting, and unflinching grace. Through it all, that's what pushes us through. Jesus is the unchangeable and unlimited God of mercy. And that's the only comfort for the chaos of life. Unchangeable mercy. Unflinching grace. No matter what's going on. The psalm says this. Read, I'm going to read to you this now. Finally, I'm getting to my text. Psalm 71, verse 1 says this. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me and save me. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. And jump down to verse 5. For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. That's your prayer. God, never, never let me be put to confusion let me never feel that stress, that trial. I don't want to be hanging on the edge. I want to be walking with you. That's our, that should be our prayer. And God will make you to see that, that this is the point of it. That now you are going to reach up in grace with all the much stronger hand. <laughs> this is the point of all this. That I've said this before that sometimes it seems kind of trite to say this. But there is purpose in the pain. That seems so cliche, and it can seem like I'm not trying to feel the weight of whatever you're going through, but there is. There's a purpose, there's a divine plan, design, and, and purpose behind all that's going on. And let me read through this quote, because this is what I think is amazing. It's by an old writer, I've quoted him before, Octavius Winslow. He says this, 
Sometimes the Lord brings us into the very heart of the wilderness just to prove to us how easily and how readily he can provide a table for us even there. And when all other resources are exhausted and all supply is cut off and every spring of water is dried up, he opens the eye of our faith to see what the, his heart of love has prepared. That's the point. He's bringing you to the bottom so that he can raise you back up again. He's bringing you low so that you have nowhere else to turn to your wit's end. I said before that grace runs downhill. And as long as you think you're making it on your own, which is what we talked about last week. We're talking about when you think that you're making it on your own by obeying all the rules and obeying all these things. And, you're, and then you think you're pretty good. You're, you're trying to be more independent and all this stuff. And you think you're making it. I guarantee you something's going to happen to realize it's not on you. God's going to make you realize that it's not a growth from, de- from dependence to independence. It's opposite. We need to go greater and greater dependent on God. More and more dependent. Each day, it's not that I'm getting stronger and better and more independent. It's getting, I'm getting, realizing my weakness and saying, God, I need you more. God, I need you even more today than I did yesterday. That's sanctification. That's salvation. It's not a growth into becoming this almighty prayer warrior that doesn't have to rely on God. It's a growth into saying, I am a horrible, wretched sinner, and I need God desperately. Whether you've been saved for five months, or whether you've been saved for 50 years, that should be your plea. The same plea of the guy who was praying in Luke 18. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It's the same Dependence and dependence upon dependence. And Jesus says, I will give you grace upon grace upon grace. Each day you can push further into me and you'll find more unsearched depths of my love. That's what his promise is. And his promise is that he will never let you go. Don't you let go. That's my challenge to you because I... I I want to see a, a young people that are, are striving for Jesus and not just trying to go through the motions. I did that. So I know what it looks like. So you can't fake me out. We, we can say all the right things. We can do all the right things in church and then we can go and live and just pretend like we don't even know Jesus through the rest of the week. Sometimes we are exactly like Peter five days of the week, not just one time and not just three times. But we deny Christ a lot through the week. And then we come back to church and we're raising our hands in worship and we're saying, yes, God, I love you. And then we go out when we deny Jesus again. And as much as Jesus probably was so disappointed in Peter at that moment, when he denied his Lord three times, as, he, as Jesus said he would, I think he's sometimes even more despised by us. Because we live like we want to live, but we don't. Pursue God with our whole heart. And we deny Him all the time. We pretend like we're the world, listening to the world's music and and hanging out with the world's people and not impacting them for Christ, but just hanging out with them. See, there's a difference between going to the lost and going to the broken to try and win them for Jesus and just going after them and hanging out with them. 
Because, yeah, we're going to, we're here to seek out the lost. That's what Jesus says, Luke 19.10. I've come for the sick, not for those who are healthy. Luke 4. I've come for the broken and the weary and the, and the desperate and the brokenhearted. But there's a difference between going with them and just doing life with them and going with them to say, listen, I have a much better way to live. My, my urging to you is don't let go. You could just think that this is not worth it. That this, this narrow way that leads to life is just too hard. That all these pressures, I can't deal with them. I don't want to deal with them because they're too much and I just, I'm just going to take the easy way out. There's only one end to that easy way. Again, Jesus says it ends in destruction. That's why I'm urging to you, don't take the easy way out. The hard way leads to life. The hard way leads to satisfaction. All those other things, those are empty promises. One person said that sin is the ultimate promiser, but it never delivers. It promises a lot. You look at the world and it promises sex and pleasure and satisfaction through all sorts of things. Alcohol and drugs and all sorts of pleasures that you can hardly even imagine. And what's the one... You know what I think of? The person that just died. Robin Williams. You know what's even makes that story even sadder? He was completely sober when he committed suicide. There was no alcohol in him. There was no drugs in him. He knew exactly what he was doing. They said that he had just gotten a report that he was going to have debilitating Parkinson's disease. Which some think that he was, that's led to his decision to commit suicide and end his life. But he, wasn't, he didn't overdose. He, didn't, he, didn't, he wasn't on drugs. And he wasn't on alcohol at the time of his death. He was completely sober. Completely conscious of what he was doing. And all the stuff that he had gathered in life, as successful as he was, he was so empty to the point where he ended his life. If that doesn't prove to you that this life is empty apart from Jesus, I don't know what will. Because you can go on like TMZ or any other website you want to, and you can look at the past, like the, the celebrity deaths, and that's example after example after example of people who have tried to go the easy way, and they haven't found what they're looking for. And they will never find what they're looking for. Because they're looking, as Paul Tripp says, in a thousand different places, except for the right one. Sometimes we go rely on a thousand lesser gods as opposed to the one true God. And that's my urging for you is don't be seduced by all these things that are around you. Don't be allured and enticed by all these fleeting pleasures. By these passing things that promise you a lot. Because they're never going to deliver. They're never going to fulfill. They're never going to live up to what they promise. These only have one end. The easy way only has one end. Emptiness and destruction. And my prayer is that you would not let go. And that you would hear, you would hear Jesus crying out. Like Samwise Gamgee. Don't you let go. And in the movie, Frodo thinks about it for a second. And then he reaches back up and Sam, Sam takes him back up and they run off. And they end up surviving and all that good stuff. And it ends happily. And 
Anyways, great book. I just spoiled the end for you, but it's, it's okay. It's been around for a long time. If you haven't read it by now, then it's too late for spoiler alerts. Um, anyways, my prayer is that you would reach up in faith because then you're going to be gripped by grace. That's the connection. Jesus has reached down in sovereign love and by you reaching back up in faith, you're going to be gripped eternally by grace. Listen to these verses. Psalm 107, verse 25 through verse 31 says this, For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven and they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. Now, listen to that verse again, because it's important that we get the beginning of it. Psalm 107, 25. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind. The storms and the winds are sometimes commanded by God. They're allowed by God for a reason. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh a storm the a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then they are glad, because they be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. I love that. They cry unto the Lord, and the Lord, um, he bringeth them out of their distresses. That we can trust forever in God's grace amidst ultimate calamity. All this chaos, all this struggles, all these pressures from friends, from parents, from other people in life, from all these other things, all these other avenues that you're doing. You're trying to manage family and friends and your social life and your social media life and your sports life. And you're trying to figure out where you want to go for college and what you're going to do with your life. Where does God want you to be? Who does God want you to marry? It's a lot of pressure. Trust me, people like to say that, you know, you should be happy now because when you get to my age, it's just going to be even worse. I remember hearing that. It's different. It's not worse. It's different. Trust me, I would not trade a single second for taking 20 credits of college classes because I did that. It was ridiculous. Don't ever, I have one piece of advice for you. Don't take more than 18 credits at college. And even that is a lot. Don't take more than 18. As much as you want to try and graduate early, it's not worth it. Trust me, not at all. Because I did it and it was terrible. <sighs> Anyways, I would not trade a single second of that for where I am right now. So I know it seems like a lot. And it is. <laughs> And the promise is, don't you let go. Don't let go. As much as you think that you might want to right now, it's going to be even better if you endure this. Martin Luther has this great quote. He says, There shall be no rest to my weary bones or to thine unless we hear the word of grace and cleave unto it steadfastly and faithfully. There's no rest for our weary bones unless we are cleaving to God's word of grace. That's this, this book that's in front of me. Or the app that you have on your phone. 
cleave unto it. Cleave unto glories. As the writer of Hebrews says this, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. God is faithful. Let us hold fast unto grace without wavering. Hold fast to grace. Trust in hope because Jesus is there. And he is waiting. He's waiting for you to respond in faith. That's what he's waiting for. He's waiting for you to do as Psalm 107 says, to cry out to him. To realize that you're desperate and then to cry out for him in your desperation. Because their deliverance is going to meet you. Trust forever in Jesus' compassion. Hold fast to grace because God's not going to let you go. And that's what he's saying to you. Isaiah 43, don't you let go. As much as the easy way entices you, as much as the, the broad, the way, the, the path to the broad grade lures you with all its pleasures and it's all its partying and all that kind of stuff, it's going to lead to emptiness and destruction. Life is through the hard way, through the narrow way. It leads to Jesus himself. He is the essence of all life, the essence of all satisfaction. And he alone can provide it. So that's my, my prayer for you is don't let go. Let's pray.